hear these words from the prophet Isaiah. The wolf shall live with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the kid. The calf and the lion and the fatling together. And a little child shall lead them. brought children to Jesus, hoping he might touch them. The disciples shooed them off, but Jesus was irate and let them know it. Don't push these children away. Don't ever get between them and me. These children are at the very center of life in the kingdom. Mark this, unless you accept God's kingdom in the simplicity of a child, you'll never get in. Then gathering the children up in his arms, he laid his hands of blessing on them. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. So... 
The whole congregation of believers was united as one, one heart, one mind. They didn't even claim ownership of their own possessions. No one said, well, that's mine. You can't have it. They shared everything. There's basically a blizzard out today, and we're making a video about what church school means to us. What does church school mean to you? Love, God, and happiness. What does church school mean to you? People. Name something you've done in church school. Um, um, once I made this angel with glitter and glue. Church school. Go. Um, fun. Who are your church school teachers? You and Merle. Who's your teacher in church school? People. People is your teacher? People. Church school, go. People. <laughs> church school, go. People. Fun. Who are your teachers in church school? People. <laughs> Church school, go. People. Oh, fellowship. Church school, go. Peaceful. Love. Happiness. God. Joy. You and me. You and me. <laughs> Another thing I think that's great about church school is that all the teachers are super awesome and really committed. Church school, go. Happy. Who's your teacher at church school? Thank you, God. Thank you, God. For our food. For our food. And for all the children. And for all the children. Amen. 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 <laughs> One more thing I love about Children's Church is that these guys get to be around some of the older kids and some really strong mentors, and they get to see kind of how the, the older kids do things and relate to faith. And along the way, um, a big shout out to the older kids because what I've seen is there's a lot of leadership that comes from what these, uh, all these kids and young adults are, are learning in church school. Thank, Thank you, church school. Our final scripture reading this morning is from Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 13 and 25 and 26. You can easily see, you can easily enough see how this kind of thing works by looking no further than your own body. Your body has many parts, limbs, organs, cells, but no matter how many parts you can name, you're still one body. It is exactly the same with Christ. By means of his one spirit, we all said goodbye to our partial and piecemeal lives. We each used to independently call our own shots, but then we entered into a large and integrated life in which God has the final say in everything.
the way God designed our bodies as a model of understanding our lives together as a church. Every part dependent on every other part. The parts we mention and the parts we don't. The parts we see and the parts we don't. If one part hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt and in the healing. If one part flourishes, every other part enters into the exuberance. For the word of God in scripture, the word of God in spirit, the word of God among us. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Thomas. I do want to put to your attention that Amy has put some reflection questions in the chat, which I invite you to reflect on. And perhaps at the end here of our reflections, we can share what's been given in the chat. But one question is, what is one way you can intentionally be childlike this week? And another is, what's a memory you have of being a child in church or being involved in children and youth ministry? So I invite you to put any of your responses in the chat and we will share them a little bit later here. For now, I just invite us to enter into prayer again. God, help us remember how we are each a part of the body and the special role that each one of us has to play, regardless of our age, regardless of the gifts we bring, regardless and because of how you made each one of us. That the words of our mouths and the meditations of all our hearts will be acceptable in your sight. O oh God, our rock and redeemer, and let the people say, Amen. So I have shared my reflection with Amy and Thomas in case for any reason the Wi-Fi here in Wisconsin doesn't last, but many of you will remember how five years ago I slipped on some ice during a surge of single digit temperature in March and I ruptured my quadricep tendon on my right leg. And to be honest, I had never thought much about my quadricep tendons before this fall. In fact, I'm not even sure I knew they existed, but I did know what it meant to walk normally. And as I recovered from the immediate fall, essentially alone out on the icy sidewalk, and I slid on my hands and my butt across the ice, through the ice melt, up the stairs, and to my host's door, I thought, oh, this is what it's like to fall alone. I had tried calling my host and Robert, but I knew that they were thoroughly in the moment kind of people and were already enjoying each other's company in a warm, cozy second floor living room, not checking their phones because why would they, and waiting for me to reemerge any minute. I reached up behind me, I unlocked the door, I dragged myself through the foyer and unlocked another door before laying down and yelling and in, a little bit of exhaustion up the stairs. I think I bust my knee. Now, never having thought about the quad tendon, I quickly realized that you cannot lift the bottom half of your leg without it. You essentially cannot walk normally on that whole leg. And this little one to two piece, inch piece of usually strong yet pliant tissue connects your quadricep or the thigh, the most powerful muscle in the whole body to the kneecap. Without it, your whole leg is essentially lame. And because of all of you and my beloved Robert, friends, family, a skilled orthopedic surgeon, a wonderful physical therapist, and the assistance of braces, crutches, and eventually a cane, all lovingly helped me back to full recovery. And I am grateful.
In an earlier time, I would have been using crutches the rest of my life. And if I didn't learn that lesson the first time, many of you know it happened to me again to the other knee this past summer while I was on a contemplative prayer treat, retreat right here at this monastery in Wisconsin. I will tell you that God and I are still talking about the meaning of all that. I sort of tested God a moment as I was dancing during the prelude. I can report that so far I have no injuries on this visit. I leave this afternoon. Paul's beautiful meditation on the body of Christ that we just heard reminds us not only of the wonder of the human body, but the interconnectedness of it all. In the part of the passage we left out, Paul gets rather playful in his writing, and he says, think about how this keeps your significance from getting blown up into self-importance. For no matter how significant you are, it is only because of what you are a part of. An enormous eye or a gigantic hand wouldn't be a body, but a monster. What we have is one body with many parts, each in its proper size and its proper place, and no part is more important on its own. And this is where Paul gets especially playful and says, can you imagine the eye telling the hand, get lost, I don't need you. Or your head telling your foot, you're fired, your job has been phased out. As a matter of fact, the practice works the other way. The lower the part, the more basic and therefore necessary, and I would add our new lingo, essential, because you can live without an eye, for instance, but not without a stomach. And when it's a part of your own body you're concerned with, it makes no difference whether the part is visible or clothed, higher or lower. You give it dignity and honor just as it is without comparisons. If anything, you have more concern for the lower, more essential parts than the higher. And if you had to choose, wouldn't you prefer good digestion to full-bodied hair? It's the same for the environment that God has created. A lizard in the pond cannot say to the reeds, I have no need of you. Or a fox on the prairie cannot say to the dragonfly, I have no need of you. Or the giant big blue whale cannot say to the infinitesimal krill, I have no need of you. Even larger, the planet Earth cannot say to the stars, moon, sun, and other planets, I have no need of you, for they are all interconnected. And Paul's broader point to the churches of Corinth, who were apparently quarreling a lot among themselves, is that it is the same with the community of Christ. For those of us who know this passage and who get the power of metaphors, this analogy is fairly straightforward. And yet, like the complexity of the human body and the natural world around us and the entire universe and even individual human communities, these things are multilayered and complex, often containing small individual parts that we never realize how essential they are until they're missing or not doing well. Some of us grew up in places where children were meant to be seen and not heard, or the hormonal turbulence of adolescence was to be ridden out with rolled eyes and exasperated sighs until we could all get to full maturity. I am grateful that we have a congregation committed to honoring the children and youth in our midst as equal and important members of our collective body. Their voices, their questions, their new generational take on the world, their wonder, their honesty, are all essential parts of what we do together. 
as we try to figure out how to follow and model the ministry of Jesus and live here on earth as it is in heaven. I'm grateful for the time that a first grader asked why a loving God would drown the Egyptian army after parting the Red Sea for Moses and the Israelites to walk on dry land safely. Or then asking, how can we know God exists when we can't see God? Or a child who said with some wonder, I pray for bees, even though they hurt people. Or when teens retell the gospel stories with stick figure animation or in performance skits. Such intensely theological questions, such benevolent yet conflicted prayers, such creativity and new ways of thinking, framing and seeing things are at the heart of our faith. And when children ask these questions and offer these perspectives, they enrich life for all of us. For as we just heard, if one part hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt and in the healing. And if one part flourishes, every other part enters into the exuberance. For each of us is a part of Christ's resurrection body, refreshed and sustained at one fountain, God's spirit, where we all come to drink. Amen. Amen. Amen.